The first reading is taken from Acts, and can be found, is uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 21. It can be found on page 1093 of the uh, Pew Bibles. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and all the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is taken from John, chapter 14, verse 8 to 17, and can be found on pages 1,082 of your church Bibles. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father 
and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. This is the word of the Lord. In thinking a bit about D-Day, haven't we? Uh, we couldn't really avoid it. It was pretty much everywhere. And one of the things, one of the little stories about D-Day that really struck me uh, again this year was the story about the weather. Because I don't know whether you know, but June 1944 was one of the stormiest Junes that there's ever been. And the German forces were pretty sure that it was so stormy that there would never be an invasion in that month. They'd looked at the forecast, the long-range ones. It, they were so sure that Rommel, Field Marshal Rommel, who was uh, in charge of the defences, was so sure they weren't going to get uh, invaded that he took some shoes that he bought in Paris back to his wife in Germany to give them to her for her birthday. So he was pretty sure nothing was going to happen. And it was a forecaster called James Stagg who found a little window of calm in all of the storms. And D-Day was meant to happen on June the 4th or June the 5th, but it got postponed and postponed. And each day the generals waited for the right moment. And then this little window of calm occurred so that the flat-bottomed assault craft, the landing craft, could get all the way across the channel and deliver the troops onto the beaches. They had to wait for exactly the right moment. And perhaps God was in that moment, creating that little bit of calm for that to be able to happen. And Pentecost is a little bit like that too. The disciples have to wait for God's right moment before they get out, before they start to share the good news. Can you imagine what it must have been like uh, for those first disciples? They've met the risen Lord. They've seen him go back to heaven and then they're stuck in a room for another 10 days. Imagine Peter. We all know what Peter's like. He jumps out of the boat to swim to the shore. He, he, he never uh, stops for anything, but even he waits. They wait for the right moment. They wait for God's moment. They wait for Pentecost. That's so important, isn't it? We shouldn't do things in our own strength. We need to wait for God's moment. The moment when he's ready for us to go out and do his work. Not with our own agendas, but with his agenda. Praying and seeking him. We're going to look at Pentecost again this this morning as we do each year and as we look at it we're going to think about how the presence and the power of God 
helped those disciples to do what they did on that first Pentecost. And as we think about it again, it strikes me that it was a pretty remarkable thing, that first Pentecost, the start of this thing that we call the church. Because unlike the invasion of Europe, they had, they had no resources, they had no funds, they had no buildings to work with. And look at the leaders. They didn't have great leaders like the, the armies in the Second World War had. They had Peter. The biggest thing that Peter had organized was a fishing trip. That was the, that was the best he'd done. They had no connections with the, the, the people at the top, with those in power. None of them came from the right families. They were just this bunch of misfits from up north, from the back end of nowhere. And yet they were the ones that God chose to start his invasion force, to initiate this great plan, to bring a new kingdom and take over the territory that had been held uh, by the devil. In just the ma a matter of a few decades, this new faith in Jesus, this thing called church was going to spread so that it reached from Spain on one side to India on the other, so that it stretched from Ethiopia in Africa to the north of England, all the way across Europe, this faith had spread. They had no propaganda machine, they had no advertising or communications guru, they had nothing except what did they have. This is why I've worn my shirt today to show you. What did they have? They had the Holy Spirit and that was all they needed. The Holy Spirit, God's power, made all the difference. The key component in spreading the good news about Jesus is that we have the Holy Spirit with us, that he's with us, that he can lead us out, send us out, encourage and equip us, fill us with his power. It's the Holy Spirit that makes the difference. It's the Holy Spirit that helps them to become a force of nature that can never be stopped. Jesus' church is still growing all across the world. There are still new places and new tribes that are being told about Jesus' love and mercy and grace. The disciples may not have had much, but they had an experience of being with Jesus. They'd seen these things. They'd uh, been with him, they'd spent time with Jesus, they'd heard his teaching and learned his ways and they'd seen his wonders, they'd heard his words and they'd seen his works, they'd witnessed his wonders and in all of that they'd learned something of Jesus' ways. This is what we need to be about, the people who follow Jesus because we've heard his words and we've seen his works and his wonders. That's what that passage in John was all about, wasn't it? Philip says to him, show us the Father. They want to see God. And Jesus says, look, this is God. This is God at work in your world. This is God at work in our world as we see Jesus changing lives, doing things, making things new, bringing his transformation. They had this, and that was all the preparation that they needed because once the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit sends them out. The Holy Spirit comes. And this filling with the Holy Spirit is obvious to all of them, or all of the people around them. And the first thing that the Holy Spirit brings 
is he gives them the message. He gives them the message to take out. Suddenly, they start speaking in all sorts of tongues. Remember, these are just fishermen from up north. They have no experience of languages of, across this uh, great empire that Rome has built. They have no experience. They're not like language students who suddenly remember something that they might have forgotten. They've never experienced these languages before. But the Holy Spirit gives them the ability to share this message with all people. He gives them this ability to speak the words to, so that people can understand and hear that Jesus is Lord. That everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the message that the Spirit brings. That's the message that we can take out. So the first thing that this passage tells us in our year of mission is that the Holy Spirit comes to help us to tell people about Jesus. And we might practice, we might practice our story and telling God's story, praying for people, but when we go, we need to be confident because we've got the Holy Spirit with us and he's gonna add to all of those things that we've practiced. He's gonna be there with us. He's gonna help us to explain. Even when it seems like it doesn't go right, even when it seems like it goes wrong. I heard a lovely story about a, a, a vicar who went out and he prayed for somebody's uh, knee to get better. And he prayed and he prayed and nothing happened. And he was really disappointed because nothing happened. Didn't seem like anything had changed. But the next week, the lady came to church and he said, but why are you here? I prayed and nothing happened. And she said, but when you prayed, you prayed as if you believed, as if you believed something would happen. And I've come to find out how you believe what you believe. Nothing had happened except that she'd seen the Holy Spirit in him and that Holy Spirit was something that she wanted. If we've got the Holy Spirit in us, people will come in and find out what it's all about. They will be interested in what we've got to share with them. The Holy Spirit is the message in a way. He brings the message. He sends us out with the message. And he is the message in a way. This Spirit brings his message into us. And he's in us to take us out. So the Spirit brings the message. And then the Spirit brings movement. The disciples spill out onto the streets. They've been stuck in this room upstairs. This room where they were hiding from Good Friday through to Sunday, they've been hiding away with the doors closed and locked and the windows shut. And now suddenly the Spirit comes and they spill out onto the street so that great crowds gather. The Spirit is always about movement. He never stands still. The pictures of the Spirit are always dynamic, aren't they? The wind that blows. You can't put the wind in a box uh, and keep it on the, on the side. It's not wind anymore, is it? The wind has to blow. He has to move. The fire has to burn. The streams of living water are streams. They're not stagnant pools. They're streams. The Spirit brings movement. And we need to be a movement. When the church becomes an institution, it stalls and it fails. Think of the times in history when the people have been in the, in the, in the prime seat, when people have taken control of the church and they've, wanted to control everything, everything fails and it stalls and then there needs to be a new rebirth of the Spirit in order to send people out. 
It happened in the Roman Catholic Church when uh, everything was focused on structures and then St. Francis came along, St. Francis of Assisi, and he started going out and telling people about Jesus. Just simple people. They didn't need any training. They just went out with what they had and they told people about Jesus. It happens in all sorts of churches, in all sorts of places. When we get stuck as an institution, we fail. But when there's movement and we're going out, when there are street pastors out on the streets, we were, I was here, um, uh, we were praying on uh, Friday night and the street pastors were out on Friday night. You know when that big rain came down? They were soaked, but they were out there on the streets showing people that Jesus' love is for everyone. They didn't go home till one o'clock. When we go out and we're doing stuff, when we're out healing on the streets in Palmerston Road, when we're out uh, helping people, when we go out after this to Porchester Castle, people will notice that the Spirit's with us, that the Spirit's alive, that the Spirit's acting and active in his world because the Spirit's all about movement. So what are we? We're ambassadors for Christ, aren't we? And ambassadors don't stay with their message in their embassy. They have to go out and tell people about the message. We have to grow some legs and get out of the pond, don't we? Because that's what God wants us to do. The Spirit is always calling us not to be a cosy club, but to be a movement with some momentum that is going somewhere, that is building a kingdom so that we can say, Thy kingdom come. We gather in order to be renewed and restored so that we can go out ready for the next week of service of God. And when we go out, the Holy Spirit will sometimes lead us to places that are unexpected or to people that are unexpected people. And then the Holy Spirit can make things a little bit messy because we'll find that there's different sorts of people coming to church on Sunday and we may not be absolutely sure about who they are or where they're from. But we need to be sure that the Spirit is with us and if he is and he's in control, then we'll be going places with him in his power. So he brings the message and the movement and the Spirit also brings a new mood. Because those disciples, they've been stuck inside, hadn't they? They'd been worrying about what was going to happen. And then they'd met Jesus and they had some hope. They were disciples with hope, but now the Spirit comes. And what do the people think? The people think they've got to the wine cellar too early in the morning and at nine o'clock they're all drunk. Now what sort of a mood is that? That's a mood filled with joy, isn't it? That's a mood that is filled with the joy that the Holy Spirit brings. The mood that God wants us to have inside us is that mood of joy. We move from hope to joy, no matter who we are. This is who we're meant to be. Joy is woven by God into the substance of the universe and that joy is there to be discovered. And if we miss that joy, then this world becomes a dark and dreary place. We're meant to be the people who are bringing that joy, sharing some of that joy so that people see that joy in the world. And the people around us know this. Have you noticed that people avoid grumpy Christians? Because they know that grumpy Christians are not the sort of Christians that Christians are meant to be. If you meet a really grumpy Christian, 
you run a mile, don't you? Because that's not who Christians are meant to be. They're not meant to be grumpy. If you could, if you, there's a possibility that you can get just enough Christianity, our old vicar used to say this, just enough Christianity to make you grumpy. If you know all the things that you're not meant to do, if you know all the things that Jesus leads you away from and you just spend all your time trying to, trying to not do the bad stuff, then you get grumpy. That's who the Pharisees were, weren't they? The Pharisees in Jesus' time were trying to keep all the rules and the regulations in their own strength. They were trying to please God in their own power. If you just get enough Christianity to follow the rules, that's going to make you grumpy. But if you know the Holy Spirit's at work within you, if he is in you, just as he was in Jesus, just as the Father and the Son are in us, then we've got that power to go out and change the world. Not to be grumpy, but to be filled with joy. So this place is not necessarily about happiness. We're not a happiness club. I know that sometimes bringing coming to church makes you happy but it's something deeper than happiness isn't it joy is deeper than happiness it's something that goes on deep inside us so when there's a road closure and you can't get to where you want to be you've still got some joy in you when our political leaders mess up again and let us down we've still got some joy in us we're not going to get grumpy we're going to be joyful people and even when you lose a friend to cancer and that is sad, and there is sadness all around. There's still some joy because you know that he or she has gone to be with their maker in heaven, and they have that eternal peace. God's joy will see us through pretty much anything we face in life, if we allow it, if we allow his spirit to be at work within us, if we allow that spirit to lead us out of the darkness into the light. So let's make sure that our church is a place that's filled with God's joy, that's filled with his presence and his power because the Holy Spirit wants us to be filled with joy, even in those impossible times when everything around us seems dark. We need to make sure that we never lose sight of our message that Jesus is Lord that we never seek to become an institution, but we see ourselves as a movement, making sure that new people are drawn in, making sure that we're out there inviting people in to meet Jesus. And we need to make sure that we allow the mood of the Holy Spirit, his joy, to take us over, to fill us and set us free, free to worship him without fear, for the joy of the Lord is our strength and his joy is what we need if we face dark days. There are times when I forget, when I start to try and do things in my own strength and I find that whenever that happens, life doesn't work. The more with the Holy Spirit I let into my life, every morning Debs and I pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us for that day. And that's because we leak and his spirit leaks out of us or gets, overflows out of us into the lives of those around us. If we want to be overflowing with the spirit so that we can impact other people's lives, we need to be filled in a continuous sense to go on being filled. That's what Paul says in Ephesians. Be filled with the spirit. Go on being filled. Filled to overflowing. 
So what's the obvious thing to do on Pentecost? Let's all stand and let's ask the Holy Spirit to come because that's what we're here for, isn't it? We're here to get restored and renewed, to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's stand now and it's going to be very simple. We're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. We've already sung, come Lord Jesus, haven't we? Come Holy Spirit. Let's just pray now that that Spirit comes. Let's pray now. Lord, you know that we are thirsty for your Spirit. And you know that we are weak in our own ways. You know that some of us are weary. And Lord, we know that your Spirit will make the difference. So Lord, we pray, come Holy Spirit now. Come and fill us afresh. Open our hearts that your Spirit may be poured in to wipe out the darkness, to fill us with your light and life and love. Lord, may your Spirit be poured into our lives today May your spirit fill us afresh, fall upon us, bring us an experience of you, your presence and your power. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come now and fill us, we pray.